So full disclosure, listeners, we just sat here in silence for about, <laughs> it felt like 19 minutes. I'm not sure how to start this episode. I don't I don't know how to start it. I don't know what to say. Well, we could say, hello, welcome to Halloweeners, oh a horror movie podcast. I'm, I'm Cody. I'm Kira. And we're talking The Village. Oh. M. Night Shyamalan talking. film, our first M. Night Shyamalan film. Yes. Um, yes. And PSA, I love this movie. <laughs> I feel like cool. that's controversial, so I'm getting it out of the way now. I know it's get, it, it is uh, a, an easy movie to shit upon, um, <laughs> but I've been a fan of it since 2004 when it came out, and every time I watch it, I get more and more uh, enraged is the wrong word, but I get more and more. Every time I watch it, I'm like, it's good! No, it's good! <laughs> that's, I mean, I, I've heard other people who share that sentiment. They're super into it. Hmm. Um. I think <laughs> that, I, and I don't, I think if you saw it, time and place, 2004, under the guise of the marketing, not knowing the twist, that it would be a very titillating experience. Sure. Um, but unfortunately, because uh, this is my first time watching it, and I started it, and I oh, literally two minutes in remembered that someone told me the ending and I was like, well, uh, <laughs> no, no, cause I'm sure I asked. I, I, I feel like uh, someone was talking about it once and I was like, oh, I'm never going to see it. Tell me, tell me what the ending is. <laughs> I feel like maybe it was that, but, um, so yeah, you knew so about that took it away from me. Both twists, which we'll be spoiling obviously in this podcast. You knew about a, the creatures are the villagers. The, I don't know if I knew that specifically. Specifically, but you knew it's modern day. Yeah, I okay. knew that. Like, it's like what? Um, You'll think it's the 1800s. Yeah. So, I'm just not sure. So it was marketed as a horror movie, or it very much was. Okay. So, and we're because we're supposed to be. So actually, you know what? Since you saw it at the time, do you want to yes, like explain the experience? Explain sure. your feelings. So I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it. <sighs> never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> immediately like. Um, but I did see it on DVD after it came out, and I somehow had not been spoiled on the twist. I mean, I was only 12, so... Cute. Maybe that's why. But I was very much in the pocket for M. Night. I loved The Sixth Sense, and I still do. Mm -hmm. I really can't say the name of that movie without lisping. The Sixth Sense? The Sixth Sense. Six... I know, I just say The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. The Sense, that comes after five. (laughs) Oh, honey, you only have five senses? Well, I got a (laughs) sixth... One. Haley Joel Osment, can we get another line reading from you? <laughs> Haley, we thought you'd be Haley. good. This is H. Not- Joel. Oh, so good. Um, anyway, I, um, yeah, I saw it and it was <laughs> definitely marketed as like, there's something in the woods. Right. They, they, there was, you, they really marketed it as this is a period horror film and like it's M. Night Shyamalan who's like mm-hmm. been spooking ooking you for you know five years now oh right yeah because it's like after signs yes, after... after unbreakable which isn't unbreakable. scary but it is like um sounds inspiring yeah <laughs> um it's good um I still think Six Sense is the best movie it's like one of those things that you'll never be able to top like how I think Tim Burton will never be able to top Everett Scissorhands where it's like, this is the perfect mm, like mm, vision mm, of like mm, what you're mm. always trying to do, and it's never going to be better or more pure than it is in this moment. Real. And also kind of sad, as an artist, to hear Oops. that. <laughs> to hear that. Well, I guess <laughs> that's... to be the best thing, to stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. I'll take notes. Um, but I saw it in 2004, and it like really had me in the palm of its hand. Sure. I was like, with each twist, I was, you know, rocked and rolled. But yeah, like I was saying, the marketing was definitely, like, the poster is really ominous. I remember, like, the, I don't know if it's the poster, but, like, the teaser poster is, like, somebody holding up a card, and it's, like, floating hands, and the card is, like, the rules of the village, so it's, like... Don't be a dick. Number one, we don't talk about the village. Number two, we don't talk about the village. Number three, wash your hands uh, before you go back to work. Mm -hmm. Number four, you gotta ask before you can pet my goat. Is that a euphemism? Nope. Literally, I got a goat. <gasps> they did have goats. They mm-hmm. did have... Le- okay. Yeah. I want to get... goats get killed? Uh, yeah. I want to talk more about that one after we read these rules. Yes. Let me find them. Sorry. So, it, this is it. One. Oh, that looks cool. Let the bad color not be seen. It attracts them. That's scary. Oh, What's them? What's what a, what, Why? How can a color be bad? Well... Number two, never enter the woods. That is where they wait. 
Wait is scarier than live. It implies Mm. that they're just like on the verge of attack, like Mm. always ready, which is kind of not true. Twiddling their thumbs, waiting to just eat your fucking skin. When's Judy Greer going to get here? (laughs) I can't wait to eat her. (laughs) Where's Sigourney? They're also also skinny, though. Like, I wouldn't want to eat any of them. Talk about later. Oh, well. Um, number three, heed the warning bell for they are coming. Oh. Now, so it makes it sound very, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a movie that is like that, like a period horror film. I don't know. It feels like it's like Wicker Man-esque and like, yeah. it's like something is Ominous. up with, it's called like The Village. So it's like something is up with this village or like Children of the Corn. <laughs> that is the tagline. <laughs> something is up with this village. Ah, <laughs> uh, something's up with the village. I think Joaquin Phoenix says that into the camera. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the movie opens in extreme close-up. <laughs> also, it was nice seeing Joaquin Phoenix at like a normal human weight because the last thing I saw him in, as I'm Fucking assuming with Joker. you, was Joker, where he's like Ugh. emaciated, right? Emaciated? Yep. Yes, did I say that right? Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, right, I forgot. So like, hard. he looks so healthy. <laughs> he looks like he's, he's been a nice eating. handsome boy. Yeah, right. nice handsome boy. He's taking baths. So yeah, the, uh, the, you know, that's the rule. So like all the marketing was very ominous. And I remember yeah. they even like, they did a fake documentary on sci-fi that was called like, uh, it was the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan. And it like presupposed that M. Night Shyamalan was this actually like semi-supernatural person who like, and they were like, they did like fake interviews with like his teachers from his childhood who was like, yeah, he was always kind of spooky. Like that kind of stuff. So they really were mythologizing <laughs> this person who yeah. like his middle name is night like he you know what's his first name right he's trying to very um they're trying to make him like an alfred hitchcock but like in a different way where like the director's name itself is a draw Mm -hmm. and he as a personality is a draw Mm -hmm. and And like his personality he's always in the movies which Mm -hmm. is oh boy (laughs) it's really bad in sign and uh the lady in the water did you ever see that i actually didn't know one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my entire life it is so bad (gasps) Um, he plays somebody who's like, I'm an author, nobody gets me, and his story ends up saving the day, so he's basically, like, self-mythologizing. It's horrible. No! But his last three movies, up to this point, you know, were, did well money-wise, people generally liked them. Cute. Um, I think people had some issue with signs, it, like, having it be water that kills them is kind of oh, silly. Right. Like, a whole planet that's mostly water. Right. So people were kind of like, ah! But then going to the village, like, you know, he had, there was a lot of buzz for it, based sure. on... Him as personality. The marketing was really good. It looked very yeah. spooky. It was um, it had a lot of stars in it. Yes. Yeah. And I remember the word of mouth pretty quickly, like being like, "Oh no, it's bad." <laughs> like the twist is stupid. But then I saw it. and I disagreed. Did you ever? I think it's Scary Movie Four, where they do like a quick spoof of this. Yeah. And yeah. it's like someone. They're like someone gets stabbed. I think Bill Paxton. No, not Bill Paxton. Mm. Who plays the president? Independence Day. Bill Pullman? No. I truly always some confuse him and I man, cannot know. Some handsome man named Bill. I think it's Pullman. Mm. <laughs> you know, pulling. Uh, yeah, no, he gets it. stabbed and they're like, quick, someone come help. He's had a heart attack brought on by a knife. <laughs> like, they just, like, <laughs> don't act like he That's got funny. stabbed. It, was, it reminded me of that. I will not be offended, though, if you did not like this movie because I understand it is. I have a lot of issues with it. <laughs> I I just didn't like get as much out of it like i just ended it ended and i went all right i thought like it's a very straightforward story it's a very linear story um you know it just kind of it starts there's a problem uh what's her face goes go fix it and then it's fixed or we think it's gonna get fixed um so i don't know i I just kind of found it a little underwhelming i think unfortunately knowing the twist really kind of makes it less exciting and well, no once one... you know the twist it's fully not a horror film anymore yeah and I know just... that was the first thing you said to me usually you're like it's not even a horror movie yeah and oh, yeah. the reason i was like i think we should talk about it is because i'm like the marketing was very spooky yeah and um and my i think is a person we can talk about in horror in general and also mm-hmm. like if you don't know the twist the first 60 percent of it whether mm-hmm. you think it's scary or not like is a horror film yeah and i think the fact that it turns out not to be is again part of like thematically important like metatextual screenwriting i'll get into all this i have a lot of notes get in there get in there girl well no no, finish your thought um and also i just thought it was kind of not odd i guess but like there were so many really talented actors in this movie it's an amazing because like that opening credits were going and i was like oh my god michael pitt jesse eisenberg um cherry jones is in it um my uh what's his face hurt 
from William Hurt, William Hurt, and Sigourney Weaver, and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who this is her first big thing. But yes. like she now is a renowned actress. She's great in it. Uh, Adrian Adrian Brody, Brody, fresh off an Oscar win, right? And uh, obviously Joaquin Phoenix, as we mentioned. But like some people just, had like right, you said Jesse Eisenberg, right? uh, yeah, and like but I feel like just some of those people were just uh, on screen for like two seconds. Oh yeah. So I was like, are you trying to fuck with us? Like I don't know. Well, because you got to figure up to this point, again, he's a director on the rise, yeah. and he's gotten people Oscar noms before, both Haley and Tony Collette are nominated for the first, for, uh, for Sixth Sense, wow, yeah. and his movies make money, so if they, you know, they'll get seen yeah. by a lot of people, I mean, I guess and if- I think, also, it's the kind of movie that I think is interesting to actors, where it's like, very dialogue heavy, and very character specific, mm. and... Um, like I know they built the whole town, so I imagine one of those things Cute. where it's like we're gonna all go live in the woods, and like even if they didn't live in the woods, it was like still you know the kind of thing that appeals to actors who want to be like oh, I'm like getting really into it. Oh, like you mean the actors live right? There? I, I, don't, cool. I don't. No, 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 I don't think they did. But like uh, the idea uh, of like we're gonna like go live in a fake town, and like it's very like drama school like ideal. Okay. And a lot of the actors in it, like William Hurt and Joaquin Phoenix and Adrian Brody, are very like actory actors. Yeah, I mean we know that of course of Joaquin like with Joker, he's very like into character work and stuff Mm -hmm. so i think it's the kind of thing that attracts them even if like you said they have like nothing to do like cherry jones like it's the same year she wins a tony for dow and she's in this just being like i want to see bears (laughs) and she's like man my sister was attacked and then like jesse eisenberg is like does that scene where he they're like playing chicken essentially and like michael pitt is just keeping the watch Mm -hmm. So that was like, but I guess, you know, I guess if you can afford like a good ensemble cast, then get that good ensemble cast. Yeah. Should we just talk briefly about what the fuck happens? Oh, yeah. Let's breeze through the plot. Uh, Like you said, there's not much to it, actually. It's a lot of like just kind of sitting in like people's lives in this village Mm. and like watching them have like interactions, talking about there's a lot of musings on like love and how you show love and how you express love and like Mm. how important it is. Interesting. So yeah, basically, it's a village. Starts out uh, basically, it's a village. <laughs> it's me the pitching end. the movie. <laughs> Picture this: a village, <laughs> the village. In fact, uh, it starts out with um, we see a, the one of the first shots in the movie is a grave of Brandon Gleason's child, and on the grave it yes. says 1890 to 1897. Right. So we are meant to think, right? Shield. But I'll I'll just talk as if it is set in the time it is actually set in because that's when the movie wants us to think for the first again hour ish, mm-hmm. hour and a half. This village is not like other villages. <laughs> it's got some kooky rules, like and it starts um, showing us these rules rather than telling us. Sure. Like you see some girls like having a great time sweeping the porch, and then they see, they see a flower that's red, and they're right. like. Mm-hmm. I uh, gotta get rid of that flower. Bury it. Yeah. Bury it. Animals start showing up, like skinned. Yeah. And that's kind of the jumping off point for us to learn about those we do not speak of, mm-hmm. which are... So this village is in a valley, and it is surrounded by dense forest. Mm. Can't see anything through it. And the elders of the village are very clear on the rules, mm-hmm. which is... Um, don't leave. Don't go in the woods. Yeah. Uh, again, there's a bad color, red, which attracts them, so like nothing can be red. Mm-hmm. And yellow is a color that wards them off. Yeah. So sure. there are these primordial spooky like folktale creatures Mm -hmm. that we never we don't really know exactly what they are or why they're there but we know that there's a truce in this village where Mm -hmm. like if you don't cross into the woods we'll leave you alone yeah we'll come into your village and also like obey these rules they they make mentions of like the sacrifice of meat where they like go throw some meat in the woods every now and then right it's fairly greek god like very uh Mm -hmm. if you do this we'll will not attack you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the wonderful arrangement they have. <laughs> Very safe. Um, so we meet Ivy, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm, she is a uh, young woman. She is blind, but she's mm. very, um, because she's grown up in a small village, she mm. really has the lay of the land pretty well, and she can operate yeah. pretty fairly easily without trouble through and this village. And she can village. see people's, like, auras. Mm-hmm. Their colors. Yeah, she talks about colors. Which is fun. Which she, yeah, she talks about Joaquin Phoenix, who plays Lucius. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a color. And, like, clearly they have some sort of spark between them. Um, <laughs> so hot. Uh, so those are the two, I'd say, main characters. Ivy's definitely mm-hmm. the main character. Yeah. And there's Adrian Brody. He yeah. plays... Uh, Noah. Noah. And he's... Uh, I guess supposed to be someone who needs a little bit of support, yes. you know, maybe like, uh, I wouldn't say like, maybe not high, high support, 
maybe like medium, medium to high support. And yeah, he has a vaguely <laughs> unexplained mental illness. Yeah. Um, some, or mental disability, sorry. It's 2004. It's a performance that you... And I remember in the trailers and stuff, they didn't show him acting or talking at all. Like, okay. he just was, like, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So then the movie starts, and, like, right away, you're like, oh, no. Adrian, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. It's a kind of hard-to-watch performance, I think. Um, I mean, like, it's yeah, done with I mean, care. Yeah. It's not, like, rude. But, like, the character kind of like, becomes the villain, um, in a way, or he, yeah. he, he, he commits a villainous act, which is eventually stabbing Lucius, played mm-hmm. by Joaquin Phoenix, because he's jealous of him and Ivy's new betrothal. Yeah. Betrothal? Is that the word? Engagement? <laughs> I don't, I don't I think know. Betro- they got engaged. Sure. And then later, well, he does something later we'll that's like, yeah. <laughs> not a crime, but kind of a dick move. And I'm not sure why that happened. Right. So we can and get they, to that. They make a lot of mentions of Noah's able to go into the woods because he's innocent right. and, and they, they will take pity him. on him. Yeah. Which is that like, kind of thing. Uh, all right. That's and like watching the movie, I don't really, representation is important, obviously, but I don't see the need for it to be a neurotypical actor playing a role with a disability. Right. Like the, it doesn't, do anything dramatically besides kind of infantilize him in a way that makes the story move along because they have to make it clear that he can get into the woods and like there's some some of the creatures won't attack certain people who have a disability like ivy's blindness like they use that later as an explanation for why she goes into the woods oh okay Sorry, I just thought ahead and I realized, because I was thinking, like, why the fuck do they let her go through the woods later? And it's because so because she can't see, so she can't tell everyone what she sees. Exactly. Right. That, okay, um, sorry. Speaking of, eventually, um, it's a lot of just, like, seeing the village live and, like, they're interacting and just right. kind of living their lives. And there's a general, you know, fear and, like, trepidation, mm-hmm. but... They're happy in their lives, it seems like. Simple. They're they're all eating together. It's kind of, you uh-huh. know, commune life in a way. And it's, it's like Amish know. adjacent. Yeah. Um, they make mention of money's not a thing here. So yes. I think it's just kind of a very communal society. It's mm-hmm. ideal in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, except for this, you know, little monster problem we got. <laughs> all these uh, um, dead animals that keep popping up. Right. And so dead animals start appearing in the village. And also the creatures start coming into the village, the ones right. we don't speak of. And there's one night, it's the night of, um, well, first there's one night uh, where they come into the village and they like paint red on all the doors. Yes. And it's like a or, warning, yeah, like mm-hmm. you came into our woods because Lucius went into the woods at that point for a second. Did he? Yes. Why? He stepped in because he asked permission to go into the town of the elders, just like get medicine and stuff. And it's kind of like, he's just trying to expand their world. Oh. And then later that day we see him like step into the woods and he sees one of the creatures and he like, Gets back out. That's the shot where the creature, like, is just barely on the edge of the frame while the camera pans. Gotcha. If you, like, right. blink, you miss it. Maybe I did um, then. <laughs> <laughs> I was also looking at my phone throughout some of this movie. So That's that fair. May also it's be a very problem. languid movie for the first, especially 45 minutes, where yeah. it's just, like, you're just living in this village. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which I love, but that's just me. <laughs> sure. Hey, uh, whatever. Uh, so, so they start coming to the village. Yes. And, um... There's another night on the night of Ivy's sister's wedding where they're, like, in the village and they, like, kill all the livestock. Also, this gave me very much, like, end of Act 1, Fiddler on the Roof vibes. Because it's, like, it's a wedding. <gasps> yes. It's, people are trying to celebrate even though there's, like, some drama happening. And, like, they're just trying to have this wedding at night. And then, of course, it gets ruined by, ruined by um, like, the call. Is that when the call happens? When they're, like, they're here. We got to, like, go into hiding. The no, that's the first time. That that's the, the one time? after Lucius. After this one, they oh, just right, kill okay. the animals, and they're like, what the fuck do we do now? Mm, some wedding, am I right? So tensions are high between the creatures and the village. Mm-hmm. Ivy and Lucius get engaged. Cute. Like we said, Noah stabs Lucius. Not cute. Not cute. They're like, Noah's on the... Or they're like, Lucius is on the edge of death. His will to live is strong. Right. And, um, oh, right. And because, like, Ivy's can't... Fi- they can't find him. And I'm, I do like that scene because Ivy's looking for him. And uh, she, like, ends up in his... Ha- wherever he is and finds him. And she feels him. And she goes, like, I can't see... And she tells whoever's there, like, I can't see his color. I can't see his color. And I right. thought... So that it's was, dire. Yeah. I also love that scene when she enters the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. This whole movie is... Gorgeously shot. It is. I will say that for sure. Roger Deakins, who's like one of the best cinematographers working out there today. He Bitch. does all the Coen Brothers stuff. <gasps> really? He, mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. He fuck did, it, dude. Um, 
that James James Bond movie Skyfall, which looks amazing. He did the new Blade Runner, which that. looks amazing. He just like yeah. is one of the most talented people working in the industry today. Fuck it. This up. movie looks great. Even this this the shot where uh, Lucius gets stabbed is like pretty well done because it's Lucius in a room with Noah and Lucius is like, hey Noah, well we're just having a regular schmegler day, and it's like a shot of Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, the back of Joaquin Phoenix and he turns around to face the camera and he has like a face and you're like I don't understand this face I don't understand this face and then it, the camera then uh, sh- it's a shot of Adrian Brody and it's you know sh- straight up uh, you know straight forward on his face and it like pans down and you see that there's a knife in Joaquin's tum tum yeah I, I thought that was um, cool so the elders start like whispering and there's mention of like there's nothing we can do now but hope and some of them are like what could we do if there were no limits right. yeah basically. right which i love that moment because they're like oh you know this and then they're like but actually what can we do which was i do like that how it's starting to slowly like you're peeling the layers off like thawing right and if you watch this knowing the twists which now every time i watch it i do obviously all those things become more apparent from like the very beginning there's a lot of like double speak i would say and like um like there's a scene between sigourney and william hurt mm-hmm. where it's that weird scene where they're like talking in a barn they're not facing each other they're like back to each other so they're like keeping an eye out for anybody who could possibly intrude on this conversation gotcha and that's when she's like there's marks on the doors there's dead animals like what's going on yeah and when you watch it the first time you're like oh yeah they're just talking about like the creatures mm-hmm. when you watch no the twist <gasps> which i'm about to say is that there's no creatures it's all the village elders <laughs> um just keeping people in line as william hurt says it's a farce um <laughs> i think his performance is really bad in this movie by the way <laughs> it's fine. Um, anyway that scene takes on new meaning because then you realize they're like uh who which of us is this like which elder is the one doing this because yeah. like we didn't sign off on this so yeah who did do that then that was all adrian brody's character oh why is it because he's supposed to be like atypical yeah and there's like moments where early on like when there's like a bell ringing or noise from the woods he seems like excited by it he has like a general curiosity to him and when he stabs lucius he has the blood all over his hands he's like it's the bad color and he gives those berries to ivy at that one point and they're the bad color oh so i think he's just really interested in this world and and I'm guessing the, screen right, the screenplay is saying something like, because he's not like us, he doesn't know the ramifications or... Sure. Um, yeah. And that's not me talking, obviously, but I think that's what we're supposed to think based right. on the screenplay, mm-hmm. which was written 15 years ago. Yeah. So they were generally unsure who it was that night. I think the one attack that we see that is the elders is the one where they hide under the floorboards, the one where like Ivy's waiting with her hand out for Lucius. Oh, right, right, right. And he like... Because there's Runs a lot of creatures at that time, so there's more than one of them. Okay. And also, it's a warning to Lucius, because that very day, he, like, went into the woods. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Just fucked up. Like, you fucked up someone's wedding. Yeah. Well, no, the wedding one, I think, is Adrian Brody. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. There's two oh, major attacks. Okay. One right. is where they hide under the floorboards the right. first time. Um, and that was the elders just, you know, you like, gotta be careful. careful. Yeah. And then, and okay. The, and then the Adrian second Brody. One, because in the second one, we don't see the creatures. We just see the dead animals. Okay. Right. Interesting. And Adrian Brody's character is not at the wedding. Interesting. Which, like, I'm like, keep tabs on him. Yeah. That's also, like the wedding. Like, everybody should be there. Yeah. I don't know. It's a small group. We have a maybe buddy the, system. Right. Maybe the idea is, like, we were all... So excited. I don't know. Jodie Greer. Jodie Greer. I will say it is fun, though, because a lot of the people in this movie, a lot of the actors are either were before this movie or afterwards in some kind of horror movie. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have alien folk. We have um, uh, Bryce, who moved on to do it. And I feel like she's probably done other horror stuff. Bryce was Jessica Chastain. (laughs) (laughs) They look identical, though. They do look identical. They've made jokes about that in real life. How the fuck... Bryce Dallas Howard did the Jurassic World movies, which uh, Judy Greer also plays her sister in. Uh, wait, what? Oh, Judy Greer plays her sister? Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Cute. Okay, then my bad. Never mind. Well, Judy Greer's also in it. She was in the Carrie remake for whatever that's worth. Oh, yeah. Um, she played the... Um, the gym teacher, gym teacher, and she survived for some reason. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and, uh... Yeah. I feel like Bryce Dallas Howard's done something spooky, though. She, she must have. She must have. Michael Pitt she was, was in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. No, I'm just kidding. That's not a horror movie. Anyway, I thought that was fun. That's, there were some spooky mm-hmm. people in there. And so, okay, so he's Joaquin been... Joaquin did Signs. 
Yes, he did do signs. He right was great in signs, if he's I remember really correctly. Yeah. Oh, God. I think he's good in this, too. He's, like, yeah, playing he's very, on a he's, sort of, like, quiet performance. Good. He always is good. Even in Joker, which I could not stand. He's really good in that. Oh, he, yeah, he was very he was mesmerizing in that. In that bad movie. I know, but he, um, he looks good in that suit. I will say that whole suit ensemble with the green hair is a good look. Right, once he finally took a fucking bath, seemingly, or... When he had his, I, mean, se- um, I believe that was the fifth of seven dance slow motion scenes in that movie where he's dying his hair. I kind of appreciated it though. It was weird, but I appreciated it. Sure. I just, that movie, just in general, I'm like, this is so, this- it thinks it's so much more than it is, but it's really about nothing. This is not about Joker though, which is a horror movie in a different way. Um, but I mean, it's stressful. I'll tell you that much. It's stressful. It is. Um, so Joaquin has been shanked and they're like, wait a second, what can we actually right. do? And then how do they get it so. Do they tell what's her face? Do they tell Ivy? They're like, listen, yeah. don't William Hurt ask too many questions by himself. But. Because there's a scene where William Hurt's wife is like, we the out. She's talking to William Hurt and she's like, you cannot go into town even because he's like making like he's vaguely talking around it seemingly going uh-huh. to get medicine because they're talking about if he had like this vague medicine, he'd be OK. Right. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of antibiotic. They said there's an infection. I don't know. Right, 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 right. Well, it's probably a nasty old fucking knife. Oh, you knife. know that knife has also like probably animal some shit. pigs Ooh. yeah <laughs> sheared yeah. a sheep or two Ooh, yeah no, cut some you. butter Ooh. so william hurt and his wife are talking and she's like you made a solemn oath not to leave this village and he's like bah, bah. and she's like no, no no you're not listening to me she goes you made a solemn oath so it's essentially saying like you go find somebody else oh. to go into town and of course you're gonna send the girl who cannot see because then when she gets into town she won't be able to see what she's gonna see which we'll get to in a second but William Hurt takes Ivy to she calls it like the old shed we're not supposed to use right right right. and Uh she he shows her the costumes essentially because he goes don't whatever you don't scream and she feels like the nails they're like claws yeah she goes I really like the way they shoot that too where it's like a really lateral camera that Mm -hmm. kind of floats along and you see the claws before you do before she does or before she feels them yeah fun so then essentially a little cash we learned that it's a way to keep people contained um because like yeah. the outside world is bad to them yeah and there's a lot of moments where like an elder will talk about uh my brother was like mugged shot and thrown in the river my yeah. brother my dad was killed in his sleep the, everybody all the elders seem to have yeah. some sort of horrible tragedy that happened to them yeah so they know that the outside world to them is a bad, bad place. And they're mm-hmm. like, we're doing you a favor. And like, we know you're going to have a natural curiosity about the outside world. So like, this is a way to be like, don't even try. Yeah. We know life is better for you here. Just trust us. Mm-hmm. And then is that when, when do we realize like, when is the photo found of them? Um, that's when she, I'll, I'll get there in a second. Okay. It's, it's like right as she's getting out of the woods. Okay. So she goes into the woods yeah. knowing that the creatures are fake. But she encounters right. one, seemingly. Right. And it, it, like, flashes back to William Hurt saying, like, there were rumors of, there was, like, legends of creatures in this woods. So we just kind of, like, took that as inspiration. But we know it's fake because we're the ones in control. Right. So she's like, uh-oh, maybe, maybe they are real. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, like, a pit she falls into. Yep. Which, was that, do you think that was just, like, shitty earth? Or was that, like, a trap laid out? It seemed like a trap, but a trap by the villagers, I would imagine. Yeah, just because, be like, mm, you can't yeah. Um, I don't know, I'm not really but so then she shows we she sees something or we see it. Um, she senses something is near and it goes to run up. Like she's facing the camera and the creature starts running towards her. And at the last second, she like dodges out of the way and then the creature falls into that pit. Mm-hmm. And then we find out it's just Adrian. It's just Adrian Brody. And he's like, ow, 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 my back. And that really hurt. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a bummer. I didn't it's think he'd die from it's that. Very, it's very. Weirdly, it's a similar plot line to like somebody like a Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, where he's like, "If I can't have you, no one will." Uh, <laughs> like that kind of yeah. thing, where he's like, "I guess I'll kill her because I can't have her." It's a very oh, it's not I the most elegant way. writing for a character, especially a non-neurotypical character. Yeah, but it's, it's up. the movie. I didn't write it. So anyway, and she's like, "Well, close call." Right. Then we cut back to this is where okay, there's these ominous boxes that all the elders <gasps> seem to have. And I think they're kind of heavy handed in the way that like, (laughs) like at one point, Brandon Gleason's like, I have my own demons. And the camera like pans over to a box and it's like, what's in the box? It's a literal mystery box. And we see William Hurt and his wife opening up the box. And inside Mm -hmm. of it is 
a picture of all the elders, but <laughs> wait a second. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, it's a picture in color. That doesn't make sense. It looks like it was maybe 15 years ago yeah. in front of a counseling center. It was like the center. 70s or 80s. So they all met at a counseling center, a grieving center. Uh, like I was assuming like uh, uh, survivors of uh, tr- grief. Yeah, a grief. Yeah. And then we hear again, like, kind of the overlaps of, like, people saying stuff, like, the stories they've told of, you know, Cherry Jones saying, like, her sister was raped and, like, what you were saying before, like, people saying so-and-so got shot and this and that. And so it's like, oh, gotcha. They all met together. And then William Hurt, you know, again, mentioning, like, fuck money. We don't need it. And then we hear, like, I get a narration of him saying, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. Right, Let's start a village. He because say in, that. This, in this uh, narration... We hear the elders recounting the tales of tragedy that we've heard before, but this right. time the vernacular, before you even see the photo, is like a little bit more modern. Yes. Like at one point mm-hmm. it's like, uh, like a rob- somebody broke into uh, his apartment mm-hmm. and they make mention mm-hmm. of like dumped in the East River, found in a dumpster. Yes, yes. Things that they wouldn't mm-hmm. say in the 1800s. So even before, I'm getting chills now thinking about it. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> no, you I can't believe this works so well on me. Hey man, to each um, his own. The, uh, so like even before we see the photo, it's like, what? Uh, that makes sense. Wait a minute. They don't know the word dumpster. <laughs> it's literally what my brain thinks every time I see this. They go, they don't know the word dumpster. That's funny. Yeah, and William Hurt's character, you hear him say, I'm a professor of history at University of Pennsylvania. Right. And I have an idea I'd like to try. So essentially, not only are they are there fake creatures, but the world that we actually thought was 1890 is actually present day, 2004 yeah. in this case. Yeah. Because to the elders, the outside world is so evil that the only way to not be a part of it and be able to raise their children in a world that they know is safe is to go back yeah. to a simpler time. Yeah. Um, no a time yeah. Um, that uh, I will get into this again, but is, uh, is a very um, privileged white centric village. Yeah. Um, there's a level of utopia to these characters in a way, mm-hmm. but it's a very objective or subjective utopia. It's not like a world where nobody is uh, in trouble. It's like a world where like we are creating a place that kind of selfishly we know we're fine. Yeah. But not doing anything to actually solve the world's problems. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So we come back to Ivy. She has mm-hmm. climbed over the wall to get out of... She runs into yes. a wall. So, like, they're not only is there a yeah. forest, it's, like, enclosed, seemingly. Mm-hmm. She climbs over the wall, and mm-hmm. she's, like, immediately, there's a car. And, like, right away, it's, like, mm-hmm. no, you're in 2004. <laughs> like, there's yeah. cars... Um, it's, it's a security guard. It's like a ranger, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the truck says like Walker Reserve, which is mm-hmm. the last name of William Hurt's character. Yes. So he helps her out. He gets her medicine. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and then that's when he mentions he's like, oh, this is what do you do? He's like, uh, he's really where'd you confused. come from? And yeah. she's like, uh, from in there. And he's like, that's a wildlife preserve. And like, how the fuck? How the fuck? Is what he says. She's like, audience. I live in there. So it's not something that's yeah. known. It's not even like an urban legend. Seemingly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he clearly didn't know what was going on. Right. Um, but he was happy to get her some medicine, which I thought was really cool. I was kind of happy that there was no, like, real conflict there. He's a like, nice boy. Yeah, yeah, he was like, we got some over at the office. I'll hook you up. BRB. Right. His uh, supervisor is there, though, played by Hemlight Shyamalan. Yeah. Well, you hear his voice, and then, like, it's just the back of his head, a la Seinfeld, with, like, um, George Costanza's boss at for the Yankees. Yankees. Because it, it was always going to be the voice. It was always the voice yeah. of Larry David, but it was someone else's body. And it was like ridiculous. Very New York, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I think it was someone else. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it was like it, the, his back and then the uh, guard comes in and he's like just talking and the um, M.I. Shyamalan is uh, revealing like, oh, you, yeah, that spot over there, they they never let planes pass over. Yeah. There's and, like, which I thought was fun because I never thought of that. He mentioned something about like. He's like, hey, listen, like, he's, he's like, didn't you like run to a girl? And the guard is like, oh, just some teenagers. So oh, like right, right so away, he, he, he's uh, covering it up. It in, right? Yes. And um, M. Knight's character is like, let let me just give you some advice. Like, don't, don't ask questions. Mm. This is a very easy job. Just like patrol the border. Like a few years ago, it got out that some government officials have been paid off mm-hmm. to not fly planes over, like you said. Mm. Um, so clearly there's some uh, uh, conspiracy is a strong word for it, but it is... People with knowledge that others don't have working together to keep this idea going. So yeah. that is a conspiracy. So do you think that William Hurt's character like did own this reserve or they just took the name? He says something about his father being really rich. Um, so I'm guessing he like bought a reserve. 
Yeah. And build a village. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it does seem really dickish. That's like, well, the world sucks, so we're going to just buy this land and oh, hide. Yeah. Which, I mean, yes, I want to do that too, but not with all white people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like um, I like I like the idea we're going with, but let's like improve this. Let's make it an actual utopia where exa- everyone's exactly, invited. Exactly. And that's why I think this movie is so good, because it's the idea. Huh, okay, hang on. Let me pause, though. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, the the newspaper that M. Night Shyamalan is reading, mm-hmm. it's like the most grisly news of all time. It's like, baby found oh, skin, yeah, yeah. couple dead in bed. Oh like, <laughs> right, which like, it's like, isn't the world bad? Right, it's like making it very clear that like, I don't think it's saying that the characters were like doing the right thing, but like, yeah. they had a fear of the world that was justified. But yeah. like, you didn't have to do it. In this anyway, Ivy gets back to the village. Mm-hmm. Um, she got the medicine. She got the medicine, she, the she did it. And she goes, hey, Joaquin, I got yep. this medicine for you. But before we even get to that, right? there's a scene, a long scene at the end. It's all it's all part of that scene. They're all, all the elders are like around Joaquin's bed. Mm-hmm. And Jesse Eisenberg's character, who's like just a random boy in the village, mm-hmm. comes up and he's like, Ivy's back. She encountered right. with those, one of those we did not speak of right. in the forest, uh-huh. but she killed it. And at this point, we have seen already that Adrian Brody's parents, played by Celia Weston, plays his mom. She's this amazing character actor. She's in everything. They found the floorboards all ripped up. And, like, right. the suit, they say something about they kept a suit under the floorboards. Because they lo- put him in the shed after he had stabbed uh, Joaquin, and then he got out. Like, they put the f- him in, like, the bad room, yeah. which is, like, part of their house. Oh, um, right, the, like, crying? They call it, like, the... Cry- not the crying room. It was, like, the something room. Yeah. It was, like, Carrie's prayer room. It, yes, very much that. It's, like, a solitary confinement kind of situation. So fun. After he... Because, you know, he did stab a guy, so... Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I get it. Well, Maybe put him somewhere else. But he ripped up the floorboards mm-hmm. and like they see not only their suit is gone, but there's like chicken feathers everywhere. So they like put together that he's the one who's been killing the animals. Gotcha. This isn't like the animals. Um, you know. So yeah. when they it's get the up. news that Ivy killed one of the creatures, because they, the elders, know uh, that there's no creatures, mm-hmm. Celia Weston just immediately starts crying because she knows that it means that her son's dead. That's and William Hurt's character goes, your son has made our stories real, which is like right. so chillingly villainous to me. It's yes. so callous. And it just is so opportunistic to see this like horrible thing and go, uh, well, there's a solution to our problem. That was I wasn't a great sacrifice. <laughs> quite sure how we were going to get out of this, but thanks, Noah. Yeah, that is a really big dick move. Like, oh, I, I, can't, I feel like that's... I'm trying to draw a comparison. Never mind. Keep going. Um, but then he says, if that is even something we want to if we like want to keep going about this, you know, mm-hmm. experiment is a strong word because they've been living there for <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. Um, but they all, all the elders slowly stand up. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of like a quiet vote of like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. Oh, okay. I totally, I was looking at my phone during the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard's uh, Ivy comes in and she uh-huh. gives him the medicine. I got medicine for you. But it's all like one take. So it's like a long yeah. scene, which I yeah. really like. And you see villagers like running around outside. Mm. It's like stuff so like it's that. like they're just gonna keep it going. We're mm-hmm, just gonna let mm-hmm. her think she and because she was she was blind, thing. she didn't. She says like, "What was that noise?" When she hears like the siren on the car go off. Oh right, but yeah. To her, there's no way to know that. Like that must guess be what car. you're actually a hundred years in the future because like what would that even mean to them? They have no concept of that. So what then in the beginning of the movie when we do see the gravestone with the the years on it is that just. That's just the timeline they established. They probably said, we're going to go back to 1860. But, like, if you're raising families in this war- in this town, so you're you're raising them to think this is all their reality, mm-hmm. you don't got to throw in years. They have no concept of the I year. Agree. No, I agree. I don't think it's necessary. And I think that's kind of, well, because he's a professor of American history, I think he's like, I'm pulling from this specific time period. He just lives for it. Right. He lives for the He's, like, really big on, like, the pioneer days or something. I don't even know what the, like, exact equivalent is of this. Because that's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a vague, it's, like, colonial, but it's too, it's, like, 100 years past colonialism. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we've been a country for a long time at this point. So it's, like, yeah. Pennsylvania? I mean, it's, it takes place in Pennsylvania, because all his movies do. Right. Um, oh, do they all take place in Pennsylvania? Yeah, except for like Avatar. Um, but the, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's like a Philadelphia guy, and he shoots oh, and films all his movies in Philadelphia. That's um, fun. Which I love that. Yeah. As somebody who's proud to come from Jersey, I can relate to like you know being like, no, I like my place. <laughs> you don't like it, but I do. Also, it's probably cheaper. I'm. Sh- I don't know actually. I don't know. What the- States have weird tax cuts and mm. stuff. Look it up. That's Let why us all know. the all movies now film in Georgia practically because like the tax cuts are like really good there. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Interesting. But 
or tax breaks, not tax cuts. Anyway, yeah, um, I know what you meant. Uh, it's all it's all fake. So then, what is your take on this? Then, do you think it's sort of because what jo- William Hurt does say is very very villainous and sort of like tyrannical? So I'm curious, like, do you think this has any meaning to it? Do you think there's any underlying such like theme to this movie? Yeah, I I think that's like secretly the key to the movie. And I think part of the criticism comes from besides some like wooden dialogue i will admit and like it is very a lot a lot of people were like well they can't keep this going like it's a very short-sighted plan people when they see the twists of it being in the modern day mm-hmm. they go well that's just not going to work out long term so therefore it's a bad twist and i go but that's kind know. of the point <laughs> i think the fact that it is so short-sighted mm-hmm. really speaks to the kind of um authoritarian views of the characters the elders especially william hurt mm-hmm. who if time and history told us nothing, it's that white men with money and power love to tell people what's best. Hmm. So to go, no, no, I know how to make the world better for us. We're going to self-isolate, mm-hmm. even though I have all this money and resources and privilege to be able to do this, to be able to build the village, mm-hmm. pay government officials not to fly planes. You know, all this shit is like so expensive and like indicative, indicative of, again, a level of privilege to be able to even do this mm. in the first place. Rather than putting all that ability and money to use to make the world better for everybody, right. or even like a small select group of people, the he just, they yeah. just isolate. Um, yeah. So I think this whole movie is kind of a parable about the dangers of. It's about the dangers of thinking you know what's best and like mm. enacting your limited worldview on a group of people. And it's also about using, like, how people use fear and scapegoating to control. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I, I mean, that's absolutely insanity, that they go to that, those kinds of measures just so people won't leave. Yeah. When really, it's like, some of these kids were born, you know, a lot of, all the kids were born mm-hmm. there. And, like, yeah. although... There's this, no old people in the village. Like, nobody's older than, like, 50. True. And although this is, like, quote-unquote, maybe a better life, like, they should at some point maybe have the choice to, like, okay, if, you know, you're a grown-ass woman now, if you want, you can go live in the world and get a computer or you can stay here and, you know, milk a cow all day, whatever, you know, dealer's choice. And that's the thing about like, when I said it's kind of like similar to like an Amish lifestyle, mm-hmm. how they have like a rumspringa. This community does not have that because they're so oh, living in right. their own I've, fantasy world where, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the Amish community, when you're, I think like college age, you go out in the world for a little bit and then you have the choice to come back mm-hmm. or stay in the real world. Which is and very nice, actually. I forgot I, they do I, that. It's very considerate. But the crazy thing, not crazy, but the but the uh, the um, unexpected thing is that I believe most Amish youth choose to go back to their community, yeah. even having seen the wide world. And it's kind of a similar viewpoint to this movie, mm-hmm. where they're like, even if you went out there, you wouldn't want to, you would want to stay here. So like, mm-hmm. they're making the choice for them mm, in a really tyrannical way. Yeah. Um. And like I kept saying, it is like pointedly, this is an all-white village. And M. Night Shyamalan is not white himself. So, like, mm-hmm. clearly this is not just him um, using, the, like, the way he sees the world. If he were, like, a white director, hmm. I'm projecting again. But sure. there's, a, there's a reason that they're, like, th- the village that they chose to make is specifically all white. Because, like, it, it could be said that's just, like, a way for it to be historically accurate. But, like, the people in the village don't know, like, what historical accuracy is because, you know, they... Uh-huh have their own world and that's the only world they know could it also just be 2004 shitty casting it very well could be and a lot of his movies are kind of pretty fairly white i would say off the top of my head unbreakable is the one movie that's not and it actually has some interesting things to say about um race and the inherent privilege that comes with or lack of privilege that comes with um being born into a certain community mm-hmm but other movies, most notably his adaptation of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. it like did not cast any Asian people, even though the movies, the TV show is, um, it's set in a fantasy what? world, but they are, you know, seemingly of Asian descent. And um, all the good guys in that are white, all the bad guys are uh, mostly East Indian or East Asian. What the fucking so fuck? He, he has had critiques of, you know, it's literally styled like. Is it styled like anime? I don't want to say yes, that. Yes, it is. It's, it's American it's like anime, animators, right? but it is... I believe it's American animators, but they there's some sort of... I don't know for sure, but it it's, looks it's like at a least meant to look like anime. Yeah, exactly. what the fuck? It's not... Oh my god, it's so fucking stupid. 
that's how a lot of casting was in the 2000s after like 9-11 yeah. where people were like, no, white, white, scary, everything else right. is scary. Because if anyone who's not white is going to bomb you, it's, it's oh my God. Okay. Um, but intentional or not, I really do think that adds a layer of... Drama. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thematic relevance to yeah, um, everything else about the movie that's about isolation and creating a community of your own choosing. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I would like to think it's mostly intentional. I'm going to say it's mostly intentional, right. but I know it's... The to talk about now, so... <laughs> yeah, and it's probably partially just shitty casting in 2004. Yeah, almost definitely. Um, but still <laughs> works with the themes. Um, I was going crazy in my notes here, and I was like, red, bad color, scapegoating, oh, right. communism? Because, <laughs> like, I mean, it's... I don't think it is, but, like, just the use of, like, a specific, like, iconography to be, like, this bad, this good... It's very much like Cold War, um, McCarthy era kind of thinking. And red is kind of like a sexy color. It's a sexy color. Just can't wear any of the it's clothes. It's a, a color that um, arouses emotion. And in a way, this village is all about kind of like not stifling or suppressing per se, but because they're trying to live in like a, it's almost like The Giver. Did you ever read The Giver as a kid? No. It's all about like living in a utopia and they're like, no emotions. Emotions are bad. If what? I remember correctly. Oh my God. And in the same, in a similar way, they're all very like uh uh, stoic people. <laughs> so maybe there's something there. I also like the use of red and yellow as the two colors that mm-hmm. mean something because they're primary. They're primary colors <laughs> and like on film they really pop. Yes. Uh huh. I know like David Fincher, for example, very rarely uses red because he thinks it like distracts on on camera. Interesting. And the color palette of, the, of this movie in general, like not just the houses and the clothes, but also like the trees and stuff, it's very plain yeah for a lot of earth tones a lot of earth tone, a lot of dirt color a lot of dirt a lot of dirt so yeah there's like some interesting color theory stuff there yeah I, i'm curious as to like yeah yellow is a good color i'm sure there's more symbolism to it i i would be intrigued to definitely watch it again i'm not against watching it again but my yeah my initial thought was just like all right i think it's a movie that rewards rewatching because when you go in knowing the twist and if you mm-hmm. don't like a lot of people do which i'm not gonna say it's the wrong thing to do if it doesn't work for you but like a lot of people just see the twist and they go, bad, stupid, never gonna watch again. Gotcha. I think if you rewatch it knowing that it takes place today and mm-hmm. the creatures are fake, mm-hmm. you see a lot more of um, the deliberate and constricted way that the elders have to talk to each other, stuff like that, that I think uh, really rewards the idea of looking at it as a condemnation of authority um, by way of uh, removing choice. Yeah, and it's like the people who are in charge kind of, they're the ones who are also putting up a farce for the entire community. And it's like, kind of like, I don't know, what we deal with all the time with our government officials and like using certain vernacular in front of us. And it's like, what are we really talking about here? And And what are we talking about when you're not in front of all of us and you're not trying to control what we do and what we don't do? And the way that authority for long, throughout history has been like very easily uh, very easily likes to draw lines and say this good this bad right so in this, in this movie if you literally cross the line of the forest you're going to the bad world i mean right. like it's you know it, you can extrapolate beyond there to talk to having it talk about like the arbitrariness of borders and like oh, a, a, a right. scapegoating a demonizing of the person on the other side of the border right interesting yeah oh well well borders that's topical <laughs> but this is a horror movie podcast. I don't find it <laughs> scary, it? obviously. Right. I found it, um, I, I, once you know what's going on, mm. it removes any ability to be scared <laughs> from this movie because right. you know that nothing bad is actually happening. It's all farce. Right. Nothing bad will happen. But the cool thing about it is that the elders want the people in the village to think they're in a horror movie in a way or in like a spooky mm-hmm. tale in a parable mm-hmm. practically and use tactics that we see from characters in horror movies or horror story, horror stories in general mm. to, I keep saying authority, but to enact their authority, well, yeah. even if they think it's a benevolent authority, it's a, we know best authority. It's still authority. <laughs> yeah. As someone who personally likes to tell people how they should live their lives. Cause I think that's how they should be. And I think they'll be happy for it. It doesn't mean it's right. It's just a perception. Well, it's it's um. This is a story of people removing even the possibility of choice. Exactly. Yeah. It's not saying you should do this. It's saying this is our life. We know what's best. Yeah. 
You're welcome. <laughs> and I, it was a very binary heteronormative setup too. So there's yep. no way no one's going to be coloring their hair crazy colors or doing any sort of self-expression in this town, honey. And there's that's the thing. It's like, again, tied to the whiteness of the village. Going back to a time when in America you could only do any, like, even close to um, ultimate success if you were white. And therefore all the other extrapolations that are not white or straight are just not going to be there. Mm-hmm. And also there's like a lot of moments of this isn't necessarily a patriarchal society because the elders mm-hmm. are mixed uh, gender. True. But there's still a lot of, like you were saying, binary stuff where it's mm-hmm. like little mentions of you run like a girl or, mm-hmm. or you run like a boy rather to girls. Right. And, um, Oh, and even, um, Ivy says, uh, Am I too much of a tomboy or something mm-hmm. to Joaquin Phoenix? Which and that was very much. She also says to uh, Joaquin Phoenix, now that Judy Greer <laughs> mm-hmm. is engaged, I am free to pursue suitors. So they went into this imagined right. world, the elders, and still put these really patriarchal and heteronormative and restrictive binary rules. restrictive ideas into yeah. place, even when they don't make their lives better. <laughs> which, like, it's such a bummer because, like, you have this money. I'm, I'm sorry. I fucking hate rich people. You're not helping. I mean, you probably are, but like this motherfucker could have really just created a really lovely, lovely society, um, and still chose like the lamest fucking rules <laughs> like, <laughs> out of all. Like, are you We're serious? The fucking parties. Like, I like the idea. I truly, truly like. I I so want to live in the woods with like a commune. Like that to me is like my ideal plan B for my existence because like it sounds fun and like it sounds nice to be part of a community and like be with nature. But like, why you gotta pick all the du- like? Come on. Get a they pick and chose the things that were like, well, this is how they did it back in yeah. the 1800s. So we have to do it like that. Yeah, you don't it's like, have to no, do it don't. that way, you nerd. <laughs> I mean, Change I, I it know, up. And I know these are all because it's things that are, um, if they were not like this, we wouldn't, we would see them as the viewers on the first time you watch it as mm-hmm. anachronistic, as like taking away from the illusion of this being um, the 1800s. Because mm-hmm. when you watch it the first time, you think it's actually set then. So sure. if something was outside of that, it would be viewed as wait a minute, you would maybe be in on the twist. Mm-hmm. But I think once you know the twist, then you can look at the rest of the world and critique it yeah. because you have the knowledge, unlike the characters. Ew. Why are they talking like that? They don't need to. They really did also go like, we're going to be talking like this now, aren't we? Oh my God. I love how many meetings they have. And they're like, no, Susan, you can't say fucking, you know. No contractions. <laughs> yeah. No contractions. You can't talk about tampons. You don't have those. Oh, what did they do when they bled, though, with their periods? It's really oh, the bad, it was the bad color. Oh, yeah. Something I, I, there, something that naturally comes out of women is inherently bad. Interesting. Again, just um, arbitrary patriarchal And rules, yellow maybe, is yes. the color of urine, and that's good. <laughs> and only boys pee. <laughs> and only boys pee. <laughs> it's true. I've never peed. I'm, I'm very bloated. Oh, just gotta say, again, love the cinematography. Um, there's a lot of moments of the camera... Showing you something and Mm -hmm. then panning away to just, like, nothingness. Mm -hmm. And it looks kind of, if you're not, like, thinking about it, it's like, why are we panning to a chair now or to this stove? Mm -hmm. But it's in a lot of moments of, like, emphasizing the themes of, like, someone controlling what people should or shouldn't see, which is what the elders do. Because it's, like, the camera being like, no, you're not, I'm not going to let you see Lucius and Ivy's kiss. I'm not going to let you see Noah keep stabbing Lucius. I'm not going to let you see the creature when it's in the woods when Lucius goes there. Right. It kind of just subtly, visually reinforces the idea of, like, controlled viewing. Interesting. I like that. I think. Or it's just showing off. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we got this new fucking, uh, you know, swivelly. Oh, you're going to love this tripod, Roger. Oh, my God. Roger. (laughs) Um, But I also love the scene where Ivy finds Lucius stabbed Mm -hmm. uh, because the camera starts way back and Mm -hmm. Ivy enters in the, um, like, far from the camera Mm -hmm. and it's really blurry. So it's a really shallow focus. Mm -hmm. And so it's really blurry until she gets closer and closer to the camera Mm -hmm. and it, like, comes in full focus when she, like, walks into Joaquin's body. Yeah. Oh, just, right. Like, she, like, that is, hits him a right. Bit. It's making you for the first time feel like you're in her world. Mm. I mean, granted, she yeah. is seemingly fully blind. Right. It's not just a, a blurriness, but mm-hmm. it still is an uh, uh, obfuscated vision. Ooh, good word. Thank you. SAT? Don't know her. I don't know. I also love the music. So pretty. What was it? It was like, yeah, it was like... There's a lot of violins. Yeah. It's cute. Um, I'm into it. I, th- I think the music is really important, though, to giving it this, like, melancholy, like, period setting yeah. feeling. 
is nominated for an Oscar, which I love for a movie that people didn't like. The, the movie or the, <laughs> the music score. was? Oh, the score. The score. Nice. Um, and when the credits pop up, it goes in. I'm not Shyamalan film. Mm-hmm. And then the very first credit after that is featured violinist. So like clearly yes! they were really... I did love that. Love that. They were really very aware of the power of this music and how mm-hmm. important it was to the tone mm. of the movie. Because the movie is very unified in its tone. Violin can just really fuck your shit up. Ugh. There's, yeah. I mean, there's that scene, the first time you hear, like, the violin solo in its full glory is that scene where Ivy is waiting for Lucius with her hand out when the creatures yes. are in town. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that scene. And it, like, he really grabs cool. her hand at the last minute and pulls her in in slow motion and mm-hmm. the music swells up. And it's yeah. just, like, the simplest filmmaking. It's just, like, slow the action down, swell the music up. But it just <laughs> really just makes me go, like, yeah! <laughs> All right. Hell <laughs> Movies. yeah. Movies. <laughs> hey, man, whatever... Whatever floats mm-hmm. your pee-pee. Whatever makes my village prosperous. Oh! Mm-hmm. Honestly, though, I, I, real, I, I will watch it again. I probably might do that this week. And I'll, I won't text as much. Ooh. You make yourself like you're in the village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. I'll wear a skirt. Um, also, back to the cinematography. They use handheld sparingly, but okay. when they do, it's usually moments of like anxiety or fear. Like when Ivy's being chased by the creature in the woods, it's like mostly handheld. Oh, um, I didn't notice that. And they use yeah. it to really control, like, when we see it, if it's, like, hiding behind a tree or something. Yeah. And we see it early on in the movie whenever they find, like, a skinned animal it's handheld. Oh, Or okay. when we see Brandon Gleason mourning his dead son, like, in the very beginning, that's also handheld. Mm. So it's any moment of, like, it's like the camera is trembling in a way. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's really specific in its use, which I like. I love. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't notice all those things. Thank you for enlightening me. I've seen the movie a lot. <laughs> I Ooh. logged into my letterbox and I realized that I accidentally have watched it every fall for the past like three years. Accidentally? <laughs> Bitch, that's no accident. Okay, the first time <laughs> two years ago is because I was going through all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. I watched them all in a row. Fun. Um, fun is a strong word. There's ah! some real duds in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I generally like him though. I think he's a, um, an interesting filmmaker who makes takes big swings but sometimes can't help himself. Um, and then I watched it last year for another podcast I was on, and then I watched it this year for this podcast. Oh! Well, now you can watch it, lovely listeners. So yeah, it's streaming on Showtime. If you have that, if Ooh, not, it's you fun. know you can rent it in all the usual places. I highly recommend it, even if you maybe saw it when it came out and wrote it off. I'm sorry if I. It, it sounds like I'm shitting on people who didn't like the movie when it first came out. There's a lot of stuff not to like there, and I get it. It's just something that works on me. <laughs> but give it a rewatch. I really recommend it. It's um, If nothing else, it's beautifully shot and the music is amazing and the mm-hmm. acting is yeah. pretty good for the most part, I'd say. Yeah. So it's worth watching for that. Bryce Dallas Howard is real good in this. Very good. I remember when this came out being like, who is she? Who's this lovely lady with this gorgeous Bryce. red hair? Oh, she's Ron Howard's daughter? Yeah, which is like wild. All right. Because he also, like, looks like a five-year-old man. <laughs> Like, he looks like a five-year-old somehow. She's young in this movie. Let me see. She did look very young. Am I too much of a tomboy? <laughs> nah, bitch. What? What does that no, even fucking mean? This is an ancestral village. Do whatever exactly. the fuck you gotta I do mean, to be happy. You know somebody's cousins are fucking... How, how, how could they not? not? Ooh. <laughs> I like to be harmonized. <laughs> how could they not? Um, she in this movie is... Which is also reason enough they should let them give give them the choice to leave so they can get i don't know they're fucking pussy eaten out by not a cousin right but not by cousin harold oh not again <sighs> you're not good at this his technique is bad That's the only reason i <laughs> don't like it um she was 23 when this movie was filmed oh, it looks cool. like um, yeah i mean listen i don't lo- i don't i didn't love it i don't have as strong as a relationship with it as you do but That's i definitely don't lot, hate I, it I, I've, I've been with this movie for a while so i've had a, lo- a long time to think about it yeah <laughs> i wouldn't say i'm like number one fan but who knows? No, I'm not a number one fan. But I'll absolutely <laughs> rewatch it. And I'll probably like it again after the way you described it. You, you made it a... If I look at it more as an, an artistic venture rather than like a fulfilling horror story. Thank you. I think that's the key. I think going into it and, and I can't blame people it. for being like, I can't wait to get spooked by the village. And then being right. like, it was a parable about the danger of authority. <laughs> what? <laughs> I could have figured that out at home. Yeah. I like seeing Joaquin Phoenix act too he's good he's got his job sigourney weaver is there and like she doesn't say much but it's just nice to see her you know it's just nice it's just sigourney how are you doing okay so that was the village (laughs) thanks for listening to halloweeners um you follow us on instagram and twitter at halloweeners pod thanks for all the ratings reviews hope you had a great halloween safe halloween i hope it was good keep interacting with us rate us review us if you haven't we love to read it we love to hear from you (laughs) we love to read we love to read 
Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter at CodyMonster91. Cool. You can follow me on Instagram at Hey Kira Hey. You can follow Apri Pompey, who does our music. You can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, um, Spotify. He's on Letterboxd, too. You can follow him on there. Do it. Uh, at Apri Pompey. Watching. And, and uh, Leah Patterson did our artwork. You can follow her on Instagram at A Tender Witch. You know what I just realized here? This entire couch that we're sitting on is all the bad color. Mm, it's so red. It's so evil. You better get off it or fuck go it. into it. Oh, what? <laughs> Bye. Don't, don't fuck my couch. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, oh, oh.